hey, hey, hey. Sorry, I can't even think what I'm saying, but welcome to Touch by Prayer. My goodness gracious, I got a little excited because guess what? Uh, the Framinator is in the house. That's right. The Framinator is in the house. So get yourselves, get some popcorn. I'm going to say some hello if you are saying hello to me. Tell me where you're from. What state? Let's Let's get this party started because I truly believe that this, this show, this show is going to, I think it's going to change some people's minds. I think it's going to start to shift some perspectives. And I also think it's going to get people redirected. That's right. Because I feel, especially with what we have been through, it it has, it's been a little cray cray. It's just been a little crazy. There is so much going on. There, there, there's so many voices. There's so much stuff. But when God drops something in somebody's spirit and he releases it, and it when, when it's your spiritual father, yeah, pay attention. That's exactly what I did when I I um I felt like have Apostle Michael Fram. And for those of you who don't know, I affectionately call him the Framinator. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he is my spiritual dad, so I will call him for pops from uh, from time to time. But on this show, you're probably going to hear me calling him Michael because that is how um, I refer to him. But if you don't know who he is, he is a, a great man of God. He has taught me so so much, so so much. He has been helping people to discover who they are. He's been apostling them, but basically fathering them. He's a good papa. He really truly is. So without further ado, I bring on the man, the myth, the Framinator. <laughs> well, good Lord, how do you expect me to live up to that? <laughs> I thought it would be fun. I thought I'd have some fun with it. So a lot of people are popping in. I see that Kelly is popping in. I see that um, we have Audrey popping in. So some of these people know you and some of these people don't know you. How could they not know you? Um, I don't right? know. <laughs> okay, so because some people do not know you, why don't you go ahead and give a, a brief little description about who you are? Well, I am a uh, second generation teacher and preacher. I am about to enter in about a month my 42nd year of ministry. I started teaching and preaching when I was 17 years old. And I have worn about every hat that you could wear when it comes to ministry things. I have functioned as an evangelist. I functioned as a teacher. I functioned as a short-term missionary, as a revivalist. I have functioned as a prophet. I've been commissioned as an apostle. I function as a big brother and a spiritual father, and a mentor, and a writer, and a blogger, and all those things, and play in all kinds of social media with podcasts, and videos, and Facebook lives, and so I've, I've kind of done it all, and I have three apostolic assignments that God has given me. Number one is to promote and support women in ministry. It's not one that I asked for, but it's one that God gave me just the same. The second one is to be a father and to pour into the next generation because God said to me one day, it's time for you to do for others what Leo did for you. And of course, Leo is both my natural 
and spiritual father. And I knew exactly what God meant when he said, do for others what Leo did for you. And then third is to work with regional alignment, which is helping to align fivefold leaders in various regions and get them to cross-pollinate, to come together, to cross over racial divisions, generational divisions, gender divisions, doctrinal camp and doctrinal stream divisions. So those are my three apostolic assignments. And those are the things that keep me very, very busy these days. Yes, they so do. That's kind of me in a nutshell. Okay. And we, we have known each other since 2015. So we yep. are going on six years, right? Um, I think it's, it's either six or seven. Really? I think. Maybe. Yeah. We now, have to go back and look at the uh, first time I did Touch by Prayer as, with, a, as a... Oh, no, that was in 2014. You're right. That is 2014. Yeah, so we're coming up on seven years. Holy moly. That's like, that's completion. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I came to your house <laughs> to do a Touch by Prayer internet radio show. Yep. And Rob set it up and we're sitting there at your dining room table. And while we're sitting there, I came out with the line, prophylying. And that was it. <laughs> Rob yeah. has been my friend ever yep. since. He loves that. That is one of his favorite things. He goes, are you prophylying? <laughs> Don't you make me go call the Framinator. Don't you be prophylying. Okay. And that actually is a beautiful segue into what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Be well, because I believe there has been a lot of prophylying going on. I think that there have been a lot of people who I'm trying to, I'm really kind of trying to be very careful about how I say this because I don't, I don't want to be disparaging and I don't want to be disrespectful because there is a verse in the Bible and it says, do, do my prophets no harm. So I don't want to do any harm, but I, <clears throat> excuse me, I do want to talk about what a prophet let's, let's actually, let's go there. Why don't we talk about, give me a definition of an office of the prophet. Okay. What, what does that look like? Well, the office of the prophet is one of the fivefold ministry or one of the ascension gifts. You know, in Ephesians chapter four, it says that when he, meaning Christ, the head of the church, when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts to men. In the Greek, that is the word doma, D-O-M-A. He gave doma to men when he ascended up on high. And that word doma means presence. So every day is Christmas because God gave presence to men, to the church. He gave these, these five presents, these five functions, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, these five. And they're all there until we come to the unity of the faith until we become a mature man, until we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And we haven't attained to any of those things yet. So all five are still needed and are required for us to get to that place. They're known as equipping gifts. They're, they're there to equip us. Secondly, a prophet is part of the foundation of the church. When you get into the book of Ephesians, it says that the church is built on the foundation 
of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So a prophet is one of the foundational gifts. And what we have done is we've tried to superimpose and make apostles and prophets almost like a hierarchy. And we've made it a top down. But a foundation isn't on the top of the building. The foundation is down in the dirt. And the foundation is what supports the rest of the building. But because of our old wineskins and our old paradigms, we've tried to put apostles and prophets into that old paradigm, which was really a pastor-only paradigm, as opposed to a five-fold uh, multifaceted work of grace by the many functions of Christ. And we've made it a top-down thing, and we figured, well, apostles and prophets are on the top. No, they're not. They're face down in the dirt. And the deeper the foundation, the stronger the foundation, the bigger the building can get. And so a prophet is a foundation. And without a prophet and without an apostle within the church, the Bible tells us this. If the foundation be destroyed, what hope is there for the people of God? And so if we are without apostles and without prophets, we have a faulty foundation. It's like the, the man that built his house upon the sand as opposed to the wise man that built his house upon the rock. And then when the storms came, great was the destruction of that house. So without the solid rock foundation of apostles and prophets, we've ended up with the church that has been shaken and fallen with much of the onslaught and the storms that have come against it. So that's a little bit about what a prophet is. But as far as how they function, a prophet is either a teacher or a preacher or both first. Say that People again. Say that again. <laughs> a prophet is either a teacher or a preacher or both first. People think that just because you prophesy, that makes you a prophet. And the truth of the matter is every prophet will prophesy, but not everybody who prophesies is a prophet. There is a gift of prophecy which is one of the manifestation gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that is their Greek word, phanerosis. And phanerosis, it's P-H-A-N-E-R-O-S, I believe. And phanerosis is an exhibition or a display or a manifestation of the Holy Spirit where a prophet is a doma, a present, given by the head of the church. And so prophecy is one gift and prophet is another gift. Two different Greek words. They're given by different members of the Godhead. The head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, gives prophets. The Holy Spirit gives prophecy. Okay. And so prophets will prophesy, but not everybody who prophesies is a prophet. If you can't teach, and you can't preach, you're not a prophet. Second, a prophet is somebody that has the gift of prophecy fully 
developed within their life. Not that they prophesy once in the blue moon, but they prophesy consistently. They're also one that has a track record. You remember that the prophet Agabus in the book of Acts, he prophesied of a coming famine. Well, the famine came, just like Agabus said. And then later on, Agabus comes to Paul and he takes Paul's belt and he binds his own hands and his own feet. And he says, this is what the spirit signifies. Whoever owns this belt, when you get to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. And everybody in the church said, hey, Paul, you can't go. And the reason they said that was because Agabus had a track record. If you're a prophet, you will have a track record and people will expect that what you say comes true. They will expect that it's going to come to pass. Secondly, about with what is in their gift box or their gift makeup of a prophet, not only will they have the gift of prophecy fully developed with the track record, but they will have the revelation gifts of the spirit in very mature operation in their life, especially the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge is a supernatural fact or facts in the mind of God about the present or the past. And the word of wisdom is about that which is yet unborn, the, the purpose of God. Because the prophet not only speaks by the inspiration of the spirit, like the gift of prophecy does, but the prophet also speaks by revelation. You know that 1 Corinthians 14.3 tells us that when we prophesy, we speak unto men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the gift of prophecy. But the prophet is not bound by that because the prophet will speak by revelation, not just by inspiration. The book of Revelation tells us that the, that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And so any born-again, spirit-filled believer can prophesy, but that does not make every born-again, spirit-filled believer who may prophesy a prophet. And so that revelation aspect from word of knowledge and word of wisdom are going to be released. And many times it comes out like this. Here's where you're at. Here's where you've been. And here's where you're going. This is what God intends for you. Now, the mistake that we make is we think that just because somebody prophesies something, we think that it's automatically going to happen like ripe cherries off of a tree. And we can just sit back and do nothing and wait for it to manifest where Paul told Timothy about the prophecies which were previously made concerning you, war a good warfare with them. People don't know how to war for their prophetic words. We're going to talk about that. We're going to okay. talk about that. Yeah. And people don't know and understand the timing of God. And that one too. Prophetic words. <laughs> and so these things all come into play when you're dealing with this. And, and so, you know, this is the, the separation between prophecy and a prophet. Do we need prophets? Absolutely. But the other thing about a prophet is a prophet is supposed to be yoked or tied to or joined to an apostle. Now, can you explain why? 
Well, because they were made to go together. You know what a wedding at the end of the wedding, we have this thing that, that we pronounce. And the pronunciation that's made is what God has joined together, let not man put asunder or let not man separate. Well, God did that with apostles and prophets. When you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28, when you look at the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4, when you look at Ephesians where it talks about apostles and prophets are the foundation, you're dealing with a, a thing that shows you in all three texts, the apostle and the prophet are joined together. You see that Paul and Silas, they went out as an apostle and prophet team. It's always been that God intended for them to work together. There, there are two sides. There are the right hand and the left hand that are made to come together. And apostles do certain things out of their gifting and their function. And prophets do certain things out of their gifting and their function, but neither one is complete without the other. It's the yin and the yang, and, and they don't compete with one another. They, they complete. complete one another. Yep. And, and so what happens is the apostles have a tendency to get very, like, big picture, very... Let me implement, let, let me let me do this, where the prophets come in and the prophets get the will of God, and many times they get the timing of God. And then the, the Bible says that the apostles are the wise master builders, and they will take the revelation that the prophets get regarding timing and season and the purpose of God, and they will begin to implement that and put it into a strategy as a wise master builder. And, and so the prophet keeps the apostle full of inspiration and full of revelation, and the apostle keeps the prophet grounded so in proper doctrine so that they don't get fruity, flaky, and nutty. And so, that's why they're meant to go together. Okay, so what I got out of that, from that, from that beautiful dissertation, <laughs> um, I got that the prophets are the architects and the apostles are the contractors. Okay. Does that work? You can put it that way. Well, I'm just thinking that like an architect isn't going to physically build your building. He's going to he's going to have an idea. He's going to map it out. He's going to put things, but he's going to show it to the builder and the builder is going to say, OK, that's not possible. So let's get rid of that or let's redesign that. That's what I kind of got from that. It, I just I like to put things into a perspective that's like here. Okay, whatever makes it simple for you or you. Yeah, well, for me, for me, as you well, were talking about it, it just made yeah, sense. There's so many analogies that yes. you can use. You know, there's. And you liked it. I'm just going to yeah. stick with that. And you liked it. Yeah, well, you know, there, there's the army analogy, and mm -hmm. and there's the uh, there's the train analogy and the railroad, and so there's many analogies that you can use, whichever one works for you that makes your brain go and makes the lights go on for you, then that's a good one. That well, that one worked for me because I there can I can totally see that. Okay, so so then let let's talk 
because I'd like to get to a place where we can kind of talk about some of the things and talk about the word that God gave you, because I think it's a very important word. I believe it's a very timely word, and I think it's going especially to really resonate with a lot of people on what God has been telling them and giving them that complete, yep, that's what he's been telling me to do. <laughs> but what I'd like to talk about is the warring, because I believe that there are, there have been there have been a bunch of, of different prophetic voices <clears throat> who have recently said that they got it wrong, that they've pulled back, but I don't believe that they've warred for it. I thought, I think that they kind of, it, it, it's sort of like, okay, well, I guess, we, guess I was wrong. Let me apologize. Let me be humble. Let me do this. And the, the thing that breaks my heart are, are some of these voices I absolutely looked up to and I absolutely loved. So I, I, I don't, I just can't quite comprehend what happened because if you look at some of the things that they were prophesying, they weren't necessarily prophesying. It just hasn't come to fruition. Okay, let me say a couple of things about this. Number one, humility is always a good thing. And being willing to you that, that you've missed it, that's not an easy thing to do, especially if you have a platform and you're public. I mean, I've had to stand in regional alignment meetings and ask people to forgive me and, and weep with people and hug people and, you know, will you forgive me? That's not an easy thing to do. I've had to stand before congregations and say, you know, I've done some things right and some things wrong and some things I could have done better. And, you know, I have to take responsibility for the things that I didn't do right. And will you forgive me? That's not an easy thing to do. And so anybody that ever does that, you have to honor that because it, it takes a lot to do that. But the other thing is this. If you've received something from God, and this is where, you know, this thing about timing comes in. Let's go to the, uh, the famous scripture in Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, you know, it's one of the most known prophetic passages about write the vision and make it plain that he may run that reads it. And, of course, when I look at that, the first thing I see is make it plain. Doesn't say make it complicated. In other words, use the KISS policy, keep it simple, stupid. Write the vision and make it plain. There's no point in making things very detailed. Keep it very simple. Write the vision, make it plain so that you can you can run when you read it. But as you read the context of, of that passage in Habakkuk, it says, at the end, it will speak. It doesn't say at the beginning, it will speak. It doesn't say in the middle it will speak. It says at the end it will speak. And I think many times we don't realize because we think it's got to happen by so-and-so time. Look at Noah. Noah's given an instruction to build an ark because it's going to rain. Noah 
marched on that one instruction for 120 years. You know they had to laugh him to scorn. Come on. Because he's building the ark. They've never even seen rain. They don't even know what rain is. But yet Noah's being obedient to the instruction. At the beginning, that instruction, that word did not speak. In the middle, while he was building the ark, that word did not speak. But at the end of the 120 years, when the ark was completed, when Noah and his family were safe inside, when the animals <laughs> two by two were inside and God shut the door, then the vision spoke. And sometimes we put our own time frame on things. That's not God's time frame. Though it tarries, that doesn't mean it's happening right now. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will surely come. And so when we have words, sometimes, you know, the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing, because if you faint not, you shall reap. And sometimes we get tired in doing well, and we give up. There used to be a song years ago, years ago, back in the days of the PTL club with Tammy Faye Baker, and I'm, I'm old. Some of y'all ain't old like me, and you can't go back where I go. But Tammy Faye used to sing this song that said, don't give up on the brink of a miracle. And many times we are right there, we're right at the door, and we get tired of doing good. We get tired of doing what we know we're supposed to do. We get frustrated because it hasn't spoken yet, and we throw in the towel. Look at Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham gets a word, and he had a wait until his body was long past the time that he could produce seed and long past the time that Sarah could receive seed, but yet the promise was for, at the end, it spoke. And so many times we get things, and because we don't see it manifest when we think it could or should, we quit on what God said. And I believe that there may have been some of that in what we have seen. I admire people for their humility and their ability to come out and stand before people and say, hey, I missed it. I, I'm not going to throw stones at anybody for being humble because humility, God will always, you know, God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And so anybody that's operating in humility, I'm all for. But I'm also, if God said something to you, don't throw in the towel if God didn't say throw in the towel. Because sometimes our timing and his timing are not the same. The Bible's full of examples where man's timing and God's timing are not the same. You know, there's Kronos time and there's Kairos time. 
And when Kronos meets Kairos, you get a M-O-E-D in the Hebrew, a Moed, which is a divine season or a divine appointment or an inter intersection of those two timings. And many times we never get to that intersection because we're living by Kronos as opposed to Kairos. That's so good. Okay. So, all right. <clears throat> So I agree with you. I do agree with you. But I but this is the thing that frustrates me. And okay. you know, being I'm just I'm just gonna speak it the way it is. Because I think I'm speaking for a great number of people who, if they have been listening to some of these prophetic voices and have bank been banking on some of these prophetic voices because it has resonated with what God has said to them. Because remember, a prophetic word sometimes resonates or confirms what God has been speaking to you because yep. God speaks to everybody. So a good prophetic word, the reason that people get excited is because it's confirming what has been said. But what this has done, okay, is this has caused confusion into people now not believing that God spoke to them because if they got it wrong, then I must have gotten it wrong. So we all got it wrong. So what that basically means is everybody is abandoning ship. They're not warring. They're not fighting. They're not standing on the promises. And that's what gets me a little that, that ticked off. And it really does get me ticked off. I know. Because they know better. And so this is the thing, because you know I'm going to say it. This is the thing. If God said to apologize, wouldn't there be grace for it? Wouldn't there be understanding for it? Instead of there being this rising up of anger and emotions and frustrations and people saying, well, can't listen to them no more. Well, can't listen to that one no more. Or, or crying because what? Because now I can't, I can't listen to this person because I feel that they've been compromised. Because if you are here, just like Saul, and just like Saul, who was the king, who had an anointing, but he was told by Samuel, make sure that you kill the king, make sure that you get rid of the stuff. But because Saul was more concerned about the people, pleasing the people than listening to what the Lord said, that he went ahead and he said, well, I did a good thing. I took the king and I took all his stuff and we're going to keep it because it's good for us. But God did not say that. And because of it, he lost, he lost his anointing to be king at that mm -hmm. moment. And Samuel was angry because he said, I told you what to do. There was no question about it. There, there comes a point of, and this is where I believe we are with a lot of things. And, and I, I question everything, even about myself. What is it, it? Look, your motivation is great. People have great motivations. You know, there are people who don't know God who are out, who are feeding homeless people and they're saving the trees and they're rescuing kids and they're doing all these wonderful things. Okay. But what is the intention behind the motivation? Because I believe that God is going after the intention. What is your intention? Is it, is it your intention because you don't want to look a fool? Or is it is it your intention because you truly don't want to disappoint me? That's where I am. No, I, I, fully, I fully understand that. And um, 
you know, for me, when when I when I look at this, there's there's so many voices that are out there that we hear. And one of the things that I've been saying to people is stop listening to all the voices. You don't need to be chasing down every prophet and checking every prophet out on YouTube to see what they're prophesying. God never told us as many as are led by prophets, they are the sons of God. He never said that. Unfortunately, in what we're doing with the prophetic is we have taken the responsibility of hearing from God and giving it to the prophet and we've stopped pressing into God for ourselves. Come on. We have become lazy Christians. Oh, come on. Okay. I, okay. Now, okay, you hit a <laughs> you hit a button. You hit a button cuz okay. okay, so so this is the thing. This is the and you and I were kind of talking about this yesterday. Okay. So so what I keep seeing is we have become fast food Christians. We we don't we want to have it our way, just like Burger King. We want to have it our way, we, but we don't want to cook anything. But the problem with fast food is it's not good for you. It has preservatives in it. It has all kinds of crazy ingredients. And God knows if it is even meat. It's some kind of a fake meat in some places. But what happens is that you, if you only eat fast food, what happens is you eventually can become obese. You can get sick. You can get cancer. You can get all these things because it is not the real deal. It is not the real meat. It is not real food because it's quick and it's fast. And it's just, it's giving you something that's going to make you feel temporarily good but in the long term it's going to make you very very sick right well you know i i functioned as a prophet for 16 years of of my almost 42 years of ministry and in the 16 years that i functioned as a prophet it was never my goal to go around and give prophetic words that was never my purpose. I'm not saying I didn't prophesy. I did. But it was never my purpose. My purpose when I functioned as a prophet was really twofold. Number one, I wanted to teach and demonstrate the biblical pattern and instruction so that people knew how the manifestation gifts of the Spirit we're supposed to function in a local assembly. That was one of my goals. The other was to get people to the place that they could hear God for themselves. What we've done is we have created a codependent Christian society where they are dependent on the prophet, dependent on the man of God, the woman of God, the pastor, the apostle, the whatever, to hear from God for us. Because we're too lazy to pray in the spirit, get on Holy Ghost frequency, and hear what the spirit of God is saying. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He will speak to all of us. There should be a witness in your spirit, the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. But 
we don't want to do that. We no. want to just give me a word. Just give me a word. Just tell me what God wants me to do. Well, why can't you pray in the Holy Ghost and press into God for yourself and figure it out? Why don't you stick your nose in the book and your knees on the floor or and get some floor. revelation out of that out of that book or out of your tablet or out of your phone, however you read your Bible, get some revelation from there and figure out what God wants you to do. God never intended that a prophet was going to lead the body of Christ. That's not what they are for, but nope. that's what we have made them. Yep. And so I've been counseling people, stop listening to prophetic words. I've been telling people, listen to the people in your circle. That's right. Listen to the people that you are in relationship with. You know, the Bible says, know those that labor among you. And if you're not laboring with people, if you don't know people, there are accountability people in my life. My sister is on here tonight. Angie is on. Prophetess Angie is on tonight. I go to her. I run things by her. She runs things by me. She's part of my accountability. I'm part of hers. Dr. Don Hughes, Apostle Jim Beckton. These are people that I am in close relationship with. I say, what are you guys hearing? Because that's my circle. I know them. I know their hearts. I know what they think. I know how they think. I know what makes them tick. And I know that they hear from God. But I don't go chasing every voice all over YouTube. I don't go look at, I get all these videos. People say, I stop watching videos like three months or two months before the election. I stopped. I said, I don't want to hear another prophet. Because everyone was prophesying something different. I said, I don't want to hear all these prophetic words. I just don't want to hear it. I want to talk to those that I'm in relationship with and those that I'm accountable to. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost and, and release whatever God says to me. And if God don't say nothing to me, I'm keeping my lips shut. And see, we have put this thing on people. If you're a prophet, you have to prophesy. You have to predict the election. Who said you got to predict the election? That's right. Who died and made you the Holy Spirit? And when people are performing because people expect it, get ready. There's a problem. Come on. And, Come on. and so... I've been very cautious and I've been telling, stop listening to so many voices. Stop listening. Get to your accountability circle. Get to those that you're in relationship with. Get with those that make your baby jump. You, I don't know if you all know what I mean by make your baby jump. But when it makes butterflies in your innards and it bears witness... There are some things, you know, they sound wonderful and it's all up here and it's all about your flesh and it's all about your soul. It has nothing to do with your spirit. The prophetic word many times does not make sense, but it'll, it'll ring true in your spirit. 
And so shut up some of the voices, shut them out, spend time in your prayer closet, get alone with God and listen to the Holy Ghost for yourself and stop depending on other people to hear God for you. Come on. That's a good word right there. That's a really good word. And I think, you know, because there, there has been this, this bad teaching from certain denominations that say that you can't hear God for yourself, that God doesn't speak, that God, you know, or, well, you know, he speaks through the Bible, but he doesn't really, he doesn't really speak to you. He doesn't really talk to you. And that's the biggest lie. Because if, if he, if, if God is able to talk to Abraham and, and he considered him to be a friend, well, I don't know about you, but I talk to my friends. And we have conversations. It's not just like notes, <laughs> you know? We're, we don't leave notes for one another. We actually have in-depth conversations. And especially when you're going through a hard time, if you're not hearing from God in it, it it's it's hard to recover. So like as, as certain people have gone through hard times, like even with Jesus, Jesus in the Garden of, of um, Gethsemane is... He was talking to his father. He was in constant communication with his father. He would wake up every morning and he would go and speak to his father. And because of what Jesus Christ did, because we, because he paid for it for us to rip down that veil so that everybody could go into the Holy of the Holies, that we could all have a relationship with God, that we could all hear from God. But it also comes down to what do you believe? Because I believe that there are people who've gotten stuck. So therefore, they depend on other people's voices. They depend, well, that person seems to know what they're saying. That person seems to, to hear God well. But that's mm -hmm. not the case because, it, it, and I, I got this from you, it's that anytime I speak or I'm doing anything on a platform, I always tell people, go to his feet. Go listen, go into the inner chamber, go into your secret place, go and spend time with him, go write with him, go put on a piece of paper and start hearing and start asking people. You can go to somebody who you know, who does know God, who hears from God. And you can say, hey, does this sound like God? So you can start to hear because that that's just it. We have been conditioned by, by man to say only special people hear. That's where right. I think that we've gotten off. Absolutely. You know, and, and you're, you're going to remember, because I don't know how many times this has come up through the years of, of our relationship, but there are so many times where you would say to me, well, what about this? And my answer was always the same. Mm -hmm. I would always say to you, what's in your gut? And that has become my, my pat answer. And, and I've had people come to me and say, you know, I was going to call you. I was going to ask you this. But then I knew you were going to say, what's in your gut? So I just figured out what was in my gut and saved the phone call. Because that's always my answer. Mm -hmm. Because the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. He doesn't bear witness with your mind. He doesn't bear witness with your intellect. He doesn't bear witness with your body. He bears witness with your spirit. And you're going to know here, your knower knows. Yep. Your knower knows. You, your head may say one thing, but your knower will say something else. 
And if you go by your knower instead of by your thinker, you're always going to be okay. And so, you know, we're at this, this stage where all these prophetic things have happened. And people have questioned. They've wondered. Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? Were they right? Were they wrong? And God spoke to me last Wednesday night. We were on a Zoom prayer call with with Prophetess Angie and the local fellowship that I am a part of, Kings Dominion International and Kingdom House. There, sis, I gave a plug. (laughs) And, And you can follow Prophetess Angie if you're not already. You ought to. But we were on a Zoom prayer call, and while we were in prayer, the Spirit of God just started rising up in me. I'm not going to give you the whole word. I'm going to cherry pick maybe just the first paragraph or so. But I kept hearing the Spirit of the Lord say, stay the course, stay the course. There are so many distractions that have been sent to bring confusion and to get you off course. My assignment has not changed. The things that I have instructed you have not changed. Don't yield to the distractions that are trying to take you off course. Don't veer to the left hand and don't veer to the right. If you want to go through the rest of the word, I'll leave that to you. But folks, we're at a time and a season where we need to stay the course. If you've received something from God and it hasn't come true yet, it hasn't manifested, though it tarries, wait for it, for it will surely come. At the end, It will speak, not in the beginning. In the beginning, all hell is going to break loose and look exactly the opposite of what the prophetic word was. We ought to tell people, when you receive a prophetic word, get ready, because all hell's fixing to break loose. And everything opposite of what that, because every word will be tried by fire. Every word is going to be tried by fire and you're going to have to endure and you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to stand and you're going to have to war and you're going to have to just make up your mind come hell or high water. I am not giving in and I am standing on this word. No matter what it looks like, I am standing and God told me that this is what it's going to look like and I'm going to stay the course and keep doing what God said to do, whether it looks like it or it doesn't look like it, I'm going to keep going. I'm not veering here. I'm not veering here. I'm not going to be distracted. I don't care who prophesies what. Well, somebody else's prophecy does not supersede what God said to me. 
And many people have given up on what God said to them because somebody of a reputation prophesied something else. No, stay the course. Stay with what God said to you. Back in the old days, we used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then we would sing, though none go with me, still I will follow. They may think you are crazy. Wonderful. I've been accused of being crazy many times in my life. It does not matter to me one iota. If God said this, then I'm going to run with this until this manifests. Even when, when the angel came to Mary and she said, highly favored, what is born in you will be holy and the son of God. And she says, uh, Mr. Angel, how can that be? And he said, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Well, she didn't have a baby the next day. There was a germination process we, it's called gestation. We know that it takes nine months. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. And the spirit of God overshadowed her. And all of the prophetic word that every one of the old covenant prophets had released was taken and energized by the Holy Spirit. And her womb got impregnated with the word of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But it didn't happen the next day. It took nine months. Sometimes you just got to keep going and keep your face set like Flint and your nose to the grindstone and do not give up. Folks, I've come to tell you, stay the course. Don't quit. Don't give up because the vision will speak. Oh, gosh, that was so good. That was so good. And that's what we need to hear. And this is the thing. We are, we are really, we're, we're at a, um, we're at a crossroad here in America. We are in a crossroad. And I truly believe that it's going to come down to what did God tell me to do? And it doesn't have to do with politics. This has nothing, what, what we're going through right now has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with God versus not God. That's it. I, and I, I can't make it any plainer. It's that if you believe, if you believe that some of the, the things that are going on right now that you can see are not of God and you are okay with that, then you are at a crossroad where you need to cross back over. You need to you need to come to yourself. It's almost like we we have people who've become prodigals that they think that they think that they're okay, but then they're going to find themselves in a pig pen, or worse, there are going to be people who are going to come to Jesus at the end, and they're going to say, "My Lord, my Lord, let me in," and I do not know you. I do not know you. That's the scary. That's the scariest verse in the Bible, folks. Yep. is I do not know you because you can go out and you can prophesy and you can lay hands on the sick and you can go and you can do all these cast out demons. You can do all these things. But if you don't have a relationship where God knows you by name, you, you better go at, go to his feet because that is where we need to be. So when we're, when you're talking about this road 
you know, there's a, a Robert Frost poem and it's two roads diverge in the middle of the wood. And sorry that I could not travel both, but I took the other less traveled by and that has made all the difference. Because sometimes not everybody's gonna be going down the right road. <laughs> you will Most know. Most times. Right? Most times. People are going to be. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said that narrow <laughs> yep. is the road that leads to righteousness. Yep. And few there be that find it. And broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many there be that go that way. Because now, here's the interesting thing, folks. The Bible tells us that Jesus is not willing that any should perish. That's right. But that all should come to repentance. He died for everybody. He willingly went to the whipping post, willingly went to the cross, willingly crowned. Well, he said, no man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down and to pick it back up again. He willingly did that. Willingly separated himself from the Father. He endured the cross, despised the shame for the glory and the joy that was set before him. That was us. We're the, we're the joy that was set before him. You know, when Jesus was in the garden and he was crying and pouring his heart out to the Father, we were the ones that was on his mind. That's right. He said, Father, I pray for those that you've given to me. And for those that will believe because of them, that's us. We believe because of those that the father gave him. And he prayed for us and said, father, that they may be one, even as I am in you and you are in me. He was thinking about us. He was about to lay his life down and he was thinking of us. He died for the whole world and yet he knew. Broad is the road that That's leads it. to destruction. The right road and the God way is not always popular. And what we have to understand is that there is an antichrist spirit in the world. It's been in the world from the writing of the epistle of 1 John. Even now, you've heard that antichrist is coming even now. Yeah. Antichrist is there. And all Antichrist means is against the anointed one, against the anointing. And there is a spirit of being against the anointing. There's a spirit of being against the anointed one. And it is alive and well on planet Earth. And it is alive and well in the United States of America. Yep. And so we must realize that our battle is not with flesh and blood but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and many in the church having eyes, they see not and having ears, they hear not. There's an old expression that said, none are as blind as those that refuse to see. Mm -hmm. And we have many that do not see. We have people in the United States. We have people in foreign countries that are working in collusion together for a one world order. Yep. Come it's on, the say spirit it. of Antichrist. Come on. It is a one world order. Come on. And 
you know, they want to get rid, they want to make us a cashless society. They are setting the stage right now for the mark of the beast. I mean, you, you just have to read headlines and read news stories and read your Bible. And you can tell, man, we are there. We are knocking on the door of the ushering in of a kingdom age where the age of grace or the church age is rapidly drawing to a close. The Gathers used to sing that this could be the dawning of that day. And Papa Hagen used to say a one-eyed kid would have sense could see it. And we've got people that are being pawns of the enemy. They're pawns of an antichrist spirit, and they don't even know that they are pawns. They don't know what spirit they are of. And folks in the church, it's time that we rise from the dead. Awake thou that sleepest. Come on. And rise from the dead. Come on. Wake up and realize, you know, in the world they say you need to be woke. No, you don't need to be woke. You need to awaken. You need to awaken. You don't need to be woke. You need to awaken in the spirit, realize what time it is, realize what's going on in the earth, and realize that it's a spiritual war. And we're not fighting with people. We're fighting with principalities. Our warfare is for the exposing of every kind of corruption in every mountain. Our, Our warfare is that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ would shine to people and that the blinders would be lifted from their eyes that they might see their need of a savior. That, that's where we're warring. We're not fighting with people across the aisle. That's not what this is about. This is about believing for a move of God, believing for the presence of God and the power of God. And we've had people been saying forever and ever and ever, God's not done with America. God's not done with America. There's a third great awakening. There's there's another move of God that's coming to this nation. I've prophesied it myself. I believe it's coming. It may not come the way we think it's going to come. I think that's one of the mistakes that that we make is we get a preconceived idea of what the manifestation will look like. And then when it doesn't happen the way that we have pictured it, then we think, well, it just can't happen. But God is bigger than our thinking. He is bigger than our past examples. He is bigger than our preconceived ideas. But there will be a move of God in the United States of America. We will see revival. Amen. We will see a harvest of souls brought into the kingdom. But we may see persecution with it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We might. I mean, I'm hoping we don't because I don't know if the church can handle it. They they can't handle the they can't handle the truth. How are they going to handle the persecution? I'm just saying. You know, the the person. Oh, come on. That's good, Andy. It's a third grade awakening, not a third grade awakening. Oh, that's so good. It's, you know, persecution has a way of separating the men from the boys. That's right. It come separates on. the sheep from the goats. Well, don't it you separates feel. separates the wheat from the chaff. Don't you feel that's where we are right now? 
it's absolutely where we are right now. But, In fact, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm going to tell you something right now. Huh? I don't know when it's coming. Okay. But I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. But there is a day coming where what we are doing right now, we're not going to be able to do. YouTube will say preachers are not allowed on YouTube anymore because it's hate speech. A day is coming when Facebook will say no more. That's hate speech. A day is coming where a preacher will stand in their pulpit and read from Romans chapter one and the police will come in and arrest them for hate speech and you'll be off to jail. And you know what? That's when my prison ministry begins. Because either I'm going to preach in a pulpit, or I'm going to preach on YouTube, or I'm going to preach on Facebook, or I'm going to preach in the jail, but I'm going to preach. Because woe is me if I don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, folks, just get ready. It's coming. But God always moves. You look at the book of Acts. When persecution came and they got scattered, that's when the revival spread across the face of the earth. And the whole known world was turned right side up. I know the scripture says upside down, but right side <laughs> But yeah, I feel like I'm a fixing to preach myself. You are. Okay. So, but this is the thing. Okay. This is, so this is, I think that it's just because um, I'm a lot like John <laughs> that I don't think that where, where some people are like, okay, I'm going to be like Peter and okay, just hang me upside down. I'm like, no, I'm going to be like, John, you can't kill me. I'm going to have to do what I got to do, but I ain't going to go anywhere because I really believe what I really believe is that this, this great awakening that is going to come is going to give the awakening to the evil that has always been, that has been hidden from people's eyes. I think when they see that, I think that's going to wake up a lot of people. That's what I believe. Because when they start to look there, what the, what a lot of the churches, not all the churches, but what a lot of the churches have done is they don't talk about that there is something called the devil. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about demons. They don't talk about being that that there's evil out there, that there are people who are doing these, these things. They don't talk about it. That is why our church has crumbled so quickly because we do not know how to spiritually warfare. Some do, but the majority doesn't. Just like we don't know how to endure for a word. As you said earlier, you know, Adam had to stand on a word because every day he would look down and he'd see the sand and said, yep, that's going to be my inheritance. Those are going to be my descendants. And he would look up when he would go to sleep at night and he would see the stars and he would say, yep, those are going to be my descendants. So he would see the physical promises. And when he looked down or when he looked up, it was in his face. So he knew that it was going to come so he could endure. But what has happened is because of the fast food Christianity that we have, that we don't know how to endure. We don't know how to cook because in cooking, there's a process. Can't just pop it into the oven and go, woohoo, it's done. No, there's cutting and there's trimming and all that. You're a cook, you're a chef. So you understand, you know, you get that. <laughs> but but so many people, they they don't know. They just don't know. And the enduring, the enduring goes back to in in First Corinthians about love. Love endures all things. 
It endures all things. It hopes for all things. It believes in all things. Come on. We are not, we're not walking in love because we don't know what love really looks like unless, unless you truly understand who God is and have that relationship with him that teaches you about love. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, even the Bible says faith works by love. Yes, come on. So your, your faith won't even, you can't even believe God. Nope. Without love. And there's no excuse because the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That's right. The Bible says that, you know, that, um, you know, now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. That's right. And so love is the very foundation. But, you know, love is not an emotion. Nope. It's not a ooey gooey feeling. That you can love, fall out of. <laughs> love is a decision. Come on. That's it right there. Love is a decision. But I think also, I think in, in love, I think that, that love brings about obedience. Absolutely. Because when you love someone, you obey them. And it's not like, it's not like a slave, but it's uh -huh. a love thing. And, and that's one of the things is like, you know, if, if you have a slave, they're doing things because of fear because they don't want to get punished. They don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be replaced. They don't want to not get paid. So they're doing things out of a fear base. But if you have a son or a daughter and you ask them to do something, they're doing it out of love because they love you. They're not looking yep. for any kind of reward other than to show their love to you. Well, that's what Jesus said. Well, there you go. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's right. He said to Peter, do you love me? feed my sheep. That's it. Do you love me? Here's what I want you to do. And so Jesus certainly taught that and, and believed that. That's how he operated. And you know, when I was growing up, I didn't do things for my father because I was afraid of my father. I did things for my father because I loved him and I honored him. That's it. And I still do things for my father <laughs> because I love him and I honor him. And, you know, he could say, Mike, would you do so-and-so? And if any way possible that I can, I will. Right. Because and that that's the other thing, too, is honor. That's a, that is a lost thing. People don't understand the importance of honor because God really takes, I mean, he says it in the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. Honor the Lord God with all your heart, you know? Like you're supposed to honor God. You're supposed to honor your parents. Absolutely. There's something about honor that has been completely wiped off through, and I believe it, it's the spirit that's been running America. Because there is, if there is no honor, there is chaos and destruction and confusion. Like all the things that we're seeing with, uh, with the rioting and all that, there's no honor. There's no honor amongst people police officers. There's no honor amongst our military. Heck, there was no honor against our, with our president. There was no honor given to this man for four years. No honor. True. But yet there have been other presidents who we did not care for, but we still honored them. 
But I believe that that because we've lost honor, because we have we have had the truth stolen from us, because we have had a misunderstanding of what love should look like, because people think that love should just make you feel good. You know, if you feel good, do it, you know. <laughs> no, that no, I mean, that's really what it is. Well, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it no more. So I got, you know, come on now. That is not who we're supposed to be. And the Lord really talked to me and said, he said, Lisa, he said the church was always supposed to be able to tell the world what was good, what was evil, what was black, what was white, what was what was light, what was dark. And he said, and I saw these two streams. One was white, one was black. And I saw them and they started to go. And all of a sudden they melded together and they became gray. Mm-hmm. And he said, if the church doesn't know the difference between good and bad, dark and light, he goes, neither does the world. And so I saw the stream of gray coming. But then all of a sudden I saw that crossroad and I saw it split and it became black and white again. And so what your word about staying the course is going to separate the truth from the lie, the fact from fiction. It's going to separate you into knowing that you are hearing that you're walking with the Lord and and doing what he's called you to do. You're not paying attention to what's going on. You're staying, you're staying in the light. That's really where we have to live right now is what did God say to you? Yep. And I don't care who you are. If you're called to fivefold ministry or not, if God's spoken to you something, you've had a dream and God's spoken to you. He's shown you something in a dream. I'm here to tell you, stay that course. Come on. God did not change his mind. Just because your circumstances look contrary to what you believe God has said does not mean you quit, does not mean you stop. You keep going with what God said. You keep going with what God showed you, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you feel, regardless of what your friends say, what did God say? If if the word of God, if you pick up your Bible and you read something in your Bible and say, well, God said this, God said that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Well, I believe that because God said it. Well, if God told you, you're going to whatever. Is it the same as reading that? Yeah. Get to the place that whatever God said, stay that course. Come on. Don't veer. Don't deviate. Don't get off path. Don't get discouraged. Don't be weary in well-doing. At the end, it will speak. You may be in the middle of your process. You know, if Mary would have given birth before she was ready to deliver, 
Jesus might not have been born. Come on. We've had a lot of ministries and a lot of people be stillborn because they tried to deliver and give birth before they were ready. Now, I know Lisa will tell this story that I don't remember, but she tells me that I said this to her at one point, and she asked me if, if, if she was ready. And she says that I said, you're not done yet. You're not done cooking. I no, don't know. No, no. What, what, what I said is I said, I said, so, so where am I right now? So where am I right now? And you said, you're in the incubator. And I said, I'm in the incubator. And you said, yeah, you ain't cooked yet. <laughs> I, I still do not remember saying that. You ain't cooked yet. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if I did. But, mm -hmm. but folks, you can't be birthed nope. and you can't move into what God said until you're fully developed. Yes. Until it's ready to manifest. So stay with it. Stay the course. Don't quit. Don't back off of what God said. The same way you won't back off of the written word of God. Don't back off of the dream that God gave you. That's so Don't good. back off of what God's spoken to your heart. Stay the course. Stay in there. Stay engaged. Fight for it. It's worth fighting for. Okay. Can we just talk? I, Cause I know we're, we're running uh, on time, but can you just talk to them about how they, <clears throat> how you battle, how you battle for your breakthrough, how you battle for, for a prophetic word to, to come to fruition? Cause I think that's really important. You battle for a prophetic word the same way as you battle with the written word. You know, if the Word of Faith movement taught us anything, it taught us that you do not pray the problem, you pray the promise. And so if we were going to take, say, the case of healing, we were taught that we would look up scriptures that dealt with healing. We would not pray about the fact that we were sick. We would say, Father, your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. We were taught that Matthew 8 says that he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities. Well, Father, your word says that if Jesus bore them, there's no point in me bearing them. Your word says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all thy iniquity, who heals all of thy diseases. So, Father, I thank you. You heal all of Well, what do you do? You're praying the promise as opposed to praying the problem. You're battling for what God promised you out of the word of God. You do the exact same thing with your prophetic words. When Paul wrote to Timothy, war a good warfare with your prophetic word. These are weapons of war. You must realize that a prophetic word is more than just something to make you think, oh, I have this great future. No, God just put bullets in your gun. That's what he did. He gave you ammunition. And you remind God, yourself, the devil, and anybody else who cares to listen what God has promised you. Father, you told me.
This is what you spoke to my heart. You said this to me. This is what you showed me in that dream. When I had that vision, this is what I saw. I thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. And if you've spoken it, surely you will bring it to pass. I thank you for the fulfillment of what you have shown me. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I am not moved by what I see. The circumstances are temporary and subject to change, but your word is forever settled in heaven. And I can bank on that and take it to the bank. I thank you for the manifestation of this word. I thank you for this dream. I thank you for what you've shown me. It will be even as you have said. That's what you do with your prophetic words. That's what you do with the things that the Spirit of God whispers to your heart. That's what you do with the dreams that God gives you. I'm not talking about a pepperoni pizza dream. I mean when God literally speaks to you through a dream. And there are some that that's his primary method of communication with them. Is he shows them when God does that, that's what you war with. You remind God, you, Mr. Devil, come here, let me talk to you. Come <laughs> here, Mr. Devil. Do you know what my daddy showed me? Do you know what he showed me? I had a dream last night. My daddy showed me this. Now, I know you say this, this, and this, but that's not what my daddy showed me. And what my daddy showed me is what's going to happen because he doesn't lie. You're, what are you doing? You're warring with what God has told you. Don't quit, but you can't sit back and just say, oh, well, God said, so it's an absolute. No, it's not an absolute. You have to war with what he said. And what you fight for and war for is what you walk in. Well, doesn't it go back to in, um, I think it's in Second Chronicles, where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, right? Like that is worrying because if you've come out of alignment with what God is calling you to do, the minute that you do that course correction, because there are people like right now, there are people who are standing and they're starting to shake their knees. They're trying to stand, but they're starting to shake and they're, and they're coming into that place of doubt. But as soon as you get there, you go, nope, wait a second. And, and you turn yourself back around. You apologize. I'm so sorry, but Lord, I am standing. I am going to stand. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to turn away from the doubt. I'm going to turn away from, from all the confusion. I'm going to turn myself back to you. And I'm going to sit with you because it says that he will hear you. He hears us. And that's what I believe we did. That's what I believe we did as a nation is we did. We came into this beautiful place of repentance. So when anytime I hear some of these other things, that's what I do is I war for that word because it says, it says in the word that if we, even if it's a remnant, because think about it with, when you think about um, um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, if, if I can find a hundred people, will you not destroy? Well, there's more than a hundred people. So I just don't understand why so many people are giving up the promises because I truly believe we're going through a storm. I believe what people are saying that a storm is approaching, that we're in the midst of, of about to go into a pretty crazy storm. However, after the storm comes the rainbow, after the, after the storm comes the promises, because we're going to learn how to fight. We're going to learn how to war. We're going to learn how to endure. That's what we're going to do. We're going to learn how to stay on the course. 
Yeah. We're not going to be, you know, swept aside. We're not going to go, you know, look to the left and to the right. We're going to stay straight, keep going, keep marching, keep standing shoulder to shoulder. Because I also think it's going to be a unity thing. Because sometimes one of the things that I feel and what you were talking about is the accountability. But I also think that sometimes you have to have people who know your dream, who know your promises, that who will stand with you shoulder to shoulder. Who will say, listen, Lisa, Lisa, what did you tell me that God told you? <laughs> right? You do need that. Absolutely. You do need that. And if you don't have that, that's a big, that's where so many people have lost, they've lost their, their fight because they, they just don't have the strength. Sometimes, you know, you need somebody to pick you up and remind you of who you are. And tell you, listen, this is what you've been called to be. This is not what, where you are right now. This is not who you are. This is not what you've been called to do. But this is. This is what God showed you. You've told me this is what God showed you. And I'm going to stand with you. Because I think that that's something that we need to do too. Is we can't, we can't be lone wolves anymore. God created us to be a family. No, you can't. You can't. Not, not in this day and age. You, you, you cannot, you know, you hit on two things that are really, really important. And I know time is of the essence. So let me just say this real quickly. Go ahead. You talked about really understanding conditions because you went into Second Chronicles 714, if my people will, then I will. The Bible is full of if, then. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, then thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt not, then thou shalt, and thou shalt split hell wide open. If then, mm -hmm. if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's right. The Bible is full of if and then. Mm -hmm. things are very conditional with God. If you, then I. And many times we get things, we get prophetic words, we get dreams, we get visions, God speaks to us. It's the same thing. I gave somebody a prophetic word one day and the verbiage of the prophetic word was, as you continue in this path, then X, Y, Z. Well, what happens if they don't continue in this path? It's not happening. Then X, Y, Z ain't happening. That's right. And so part of our warring for what God has said is meeting the conditions. Just like, you know, any other promise of scripture where there's an if. It's the same with all of our prophetic words. There's ifs. There's conditions. There's things that we must do. And so we must understand that and always keep in mind that we've got to meet the conditions. You can't just sit back. That's part of your warring. And the second thing that you brought up is the importance of having people that believe your dream, believe your vision, believe in you and believe what God said. Don't be a Joseph. Joseph told his dreams to the wrong people. That's right. Come on, preach that. The very people that should have rejoiced with him, threw his him brothers, <laughs> threw him in a ditch, wanted to kill him. Many times those that you think 
will rejoice over what God showed you are jealous and envious of you. Yep. Now, the other problem that Joseph had was Joseph was a little high and mighty and God had to take him down a notch or two. Yep. He had a big yeah. But yet, <laughs> his father, who we shared the dream with, the Bible says that even though he did not understand it, he held it or pondered it in his heart. So there will be those that are around you that God will put in your circle, put in your path, that they may not fully understand what God's given you or what God said to you, but they will hold it in their heart and will stand with you. And you need those that will stand with you. And I am a very blessed man right now because God's given me kids. And I get to hold their dreams and visions in my heart. And I get to stand with them and I get to war with them and I get to hold on to their dreams. And when they want to throw in the towel, I won't let them. This pretty lady right here, I had a talk out of throwing in the towel a time or two. And she said to me one day, do I have to? I said, no, you don't have to. But you'll never fulfill what God has for you if you don't. And she said, oh, shoot. Now I. <laughs> but I get the joy to hold people in my heart and to hold them to the fire and to hold them to what God said. Be that for somebody. You don't have to be a father or a mother in the faith. You can be a brother or a sister in the faith. But we all need somebody in our corner. You know, the Bible says if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. Be the kind of friend to somebody else that you want somebody to be to you. Because what you sow, you're going to reap. Amen. And so be that person that stands in somebody's corner with them. When they want to quit, when they want to give up, believe with them, lock arms with them, and stand with them, because what you sow, you will reap. It will come back to you. And so stand with your brother. Stand with your sister. If God ever makes you a mother or a father in the faith, it's such a joy. It's one of the greatest blessings that you can have. But even if you're just a brother or a sister to somebody, believe in them and stand with them because it will come back to you, I promise. And they will be there for you. Somebody will be there for you. If you sow it, you will reap it. And Lisa, I've just got to tell you right now, you've been frustrated lately. Oh, because boy. Because <laughs> you've been feeling like, Lord, I don't understand. I came out of the gate. I came out of my commissioning. And things all seem to be going just right. And, and I thought everything was great and was peachy keen. And then all of a sudden, it all went to hell in a handbasket. And I didn't think it was going to do this. I thought it was all just going to keep on rolling. And keep on going straight and everything was going to be wonderful. And we were just going to have 24 hour a day, Holy Ghost revival everywhere we went. And daddy's girl was going coast to coast and border to border and all overseas and everything. And we were full time and we were never going to do anything else again. And my dreams have been dashed and I feel like I've missed you. 
you haven't missed God at all. You are just going through another level and another layer of process that is purifying what has already been birthed and placed inside of you. And it is not that it is not happening. It is just that you are being more matured and your character is being more developed so that you can handle when God manifests it. Because many times the things that we want and the things that we expect, we think we are ready before we are ready. And if God was to release the fullness of what we are expecting and knowing that he promised and he releases it before we are ready for it, then it will be our undoing and our destruction. And I remember back in 2011 when my brother in Trinidad Apostle Christopher Douglas, at the time we were both functioning as prophets and we're driving in his car and they drive on the wrong side of the road and steer from the wrong side of the road. And he looks over at me, 2011, we're in Trinidad and he looks at me and he says, you know, prophet, you know, you're going to be changing again. And I looked at him, I said, yeah, I know, shut up because <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. I already argued with God about switching from evangelist to prophet, and I lost. So when he said, you're going to be changing again, I knew exactly what he meant. And then he turned to me, and he had the nerve to say, my brother, my darker twin, my brother from another mother and the same father, he's, he's turned to me, and he said, you know, as far as God is concerned, he already sees you as an apostle. But you have to go through the process, the process, the process, the process, the process. He said process five times. He said that to me in 2011. Now you were at my apostolic commissioning. It was in March of 2016. It took five years from the day that he spoke that to me in his car in Trinidad. It was one year of process for every time he said it. He said, God sees you here, but you got to go through more stuff to get ready to walk in it. Elijah threw a mantle on Elisha, but Elisha wasn't ready to carry that mantle. And it took seven or eight years of walking with him and of process before he actually picked up that mantle and struck the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And so there are things that you've been believing for, you've been expecting because of what's been shown unto you. And you've been wondering how come they haven't come yet. And it's because you've had a launch, but you're not ready for the full manifestation of that launch because you're still developing into more. And if God were to give you what you see and what he's shown you with where you've been, you're not ready to handle it. So don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. Don't be frustrated. You have not missed God. You are not off course. You are just being refined. You're being refined. You're being fine-tuned and you're being developed more. And God's bringing you into a different alignment through this season. And he's bringing you to a maturity in your understanding that you've not had before. And some things only come in the words of my father through time and experience. 
And time and experience keeps us in humility where we don't get a big head. And God's been protecting you from big head syndrome. You have not missed him. He's protecting you from big head syndrome. In fact, he's absolutely 100% in love with you and is absolutely pleased with you. And you are exactly where he wants you. And you are on target and you are on course and you haven't missed God. And you said, I never prophesied to you. And now I did. Well, thank you. And I receive every word of it, every word of it. And it, that was, that was so good. That was so good. And I received that. I received that very much so. And I appreciate that because it's been, it's, I, I think, I know my biggest concern is that I got off course. That's, that's been, there've been lots and lots of days that I felt, ooh, shoot, I think I got off course. So it's that, it's that humility about, I'm so sorry, Lord, bring me, bring me back. <laughs> get me back, get me back in the right place. Because honestly, it's, um, I think it's because I see, I see the greater need now. Because there's a lot of people who need to know their daddy. That's it. So however it's going to be and however he's going to do it. But thank you. I appreciate it. But aren't you guys so excited? For those of you who don't know the Framinator, I got news for you. He'll be back. <laughs> I'm like a bad penny. I always just turn You up. do. Yes. I'll be back. He will be back because, because he is such a... He is a, a, a spring of information. Like he just, there's so much, there's so much to, to Michael, to apostle Michael, um, in wisdom, in, um, in understanding, in teaching, but also in, uh, in communicating, <laughs> communicating the heart of the father. So this is, this has been so good. And it's always, it's always good when you're here. I'll never forget. After what we used to do is after uh, after the show. In the good old days? In the good old days. Rob's here too. Rob's in the background. Um, we used to, uh, after the show, we would sit and we'd have, um, we would usually have some kind of dessert, right? We'd have some kind of dessert and we would sit and I would sit there and I would just, I would just pull information. I would just sit there and pull information. And Rob's like, I'm going to bed. And Rob's like, I'm going to bed. Good night, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Michael. <laughs> For the love of God. For the love of God. Good night. <laughs> so funny. But you are always such a joy and thank you so much for um for pitching and 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 jumping in. And if you guys want to get in touch with Michael, you definitely want to. He is are you now are you taking people for your mentorship? Um I have one class that is set and kind of locked with one handful of people. They're people that have been with me for like a year and a half, two years. But I have a second session that is open to the public. And if it continues to grow, I may have to add a third. Okay. So if you guys are. They are growing. I do them on a Tuesday night normally from 7 to 10 Eastern. 
and it's $50 for three hours. We try to keep the groups very small and they're very intimate. And it's like Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> what happens in the mentoring group stays in the mentoring group. We do it through Zoom. It's fully interactive. It's audio visual and it's not broadcast anywhere. It's not on Facebook or YouTube or anything like that. It's it's a closed meeting. It's not an exorbitant fee, but it's enough to keep the people that want something for nothing away. There so you go. People that are there are serious because I'm too busy to waste my time. And I only want to work with people that are really serious. There you go. So if you the next one is February the 23rd. If you're interested, let me know. Okay. So if you guys are interested, you can actually go to prophetic destiny ministries international.org. Correct? Yep. Okay. You can also find Apostle Michael on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. Where else are yeah? I'm on uh MeWe. On MeWe. And I am on a new Christian social media platform called Faith United Network. And I'm also on Fun TV, Faith United Network TV, which is a new Christian alternative to YouTube. Okay, we need to get you on Cloud Hub. I'm there. No, we need to get we need really to get we need to get you a, a Framinator channel. I don't do a whole lot on there other than upload other stuff. Yeah, and you, I do have a Facebook Live this Thursday night with, with who? Dr. Jefferson K. Thompson, who is a Holy Ghost theologian. And we're going to be talking about how to receive. Okay. Many times, you know, in the prayer line, the preacher will be ministering and will say, just receive, just receive, because people don't know how they to receive. They don't know how. They we're going to be talking how. about how All to right. receive Thursday night. Oh, that's one of the big things people are like, why do you yell at me to say, just receive? I said, <laughs> because you're not receiving. Because you're not receiving. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that Thursday night. Okay. So already somebody, Derek Lynn, my, uh, one of my spiritual daughters, she's going to be signing up. She is, she's a powerhouse. She is a powerhouse. So it's going to be good. But thank you so much for, for coming on. This my has been pleasure. so much fun. So just sit tight. I'll say goodbye to you off air, but let me say goodbye to everybody else. So guys, thank you so much for coming on, for spending this. Oh my gosh, it's almost been two hours, but this has been so much fun. I hope that you guys have um, gotten a lot of uh, questions answered. I hope that you guys are excited because I am telling you, this is the most exciting time that we are living in. This is this is a very exciting time. Stay in prayer. Stay close to Papa. Just go out and touch someone because you never know who you are going to touch. So thank you guys for, for coming on and uh, and spending some time with me and have a great night. I'll see you next week. I have Adrian Biel coming on. We're going to talk about angels. Oh, heck yeah, we are. So have a wonderful evening and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.